And we are live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. What's up, everybody? I am Nick from P2W Fantasy, here with my co-host, Steffi Smalls, on another Script to Ships episode here every Thursday. Um, Steffi mentioned before the show she was pretty excited about it, and I have been the same. Um, So excited that I wrote down two sets of notes because the first set has been left in my office. But um, yeah, happy to be here. Steffi, I know you've had a a big past week traveling around the country and everything. Um, first off, how, how did uh, the traveling go for that graduation? And then uh, second off, what's what else has been up? It went good. My brother is now a college graduate. He keeps telling us he's an alumni. And we're like, we, we get it, Mark. You've been, al- you've been an alumni for like four days. But it's nice to be back in my own office uh, in my own groove of things. Uh, I have a new podcast coming out. So it's been an exciting week. I'm very excited about this show. All the mailbag questions were fantastic. So we'll get into some good stuff today. And is the details on this new show, I've seen a graphic. Is everything else kind of hush hush right now? No, it's not. So I don't know how familiar everyone is with Katie Nolan's uh, Garbage Time, her first show that she had. And it's kind of going to be a similar setup to that will be your normal Smalls rant in the beginning. And then I have uh, the second segment is going to be like athletes, coaches. I have some really cool Giants players coming on so far. I'm going to try to stagger them a little bit, but because nice. uh, obviously we don't all want to hear about the Giants, but I will be getting like a bunch of players on, uh, coaches, whoever I can, uh, trying to squeeze those in before this season starts too. That's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Another show to uh, be excited about. Um, so next week I'm going to be traveling myself uh, out of state. So we're going to shift this show to Tuesday, um, which is great too. I'm glad we get to get the show in at, at least sometime during the week. Uh, but yeah, so uh, like you kind of mentioned before, we have mailbag questions today. And I feel like a lot of the topics lately have been the same. You know, the rookie class, Aaron Rodgers, who's going to be on the ups and who's going to be on the downs. So I figured it'd be a nice like intermediate episode. Let's get some questions. Let's talk about some different things um, with Steffi. And uh, I'm pretty excited about that. So before we get into anything, I do want to say again, this uh, podcast is partnered with the Fantasy Points Media Group. I just dropped a TikTok because I'm trying to be cool with the times and uh, did an advertisement for Fantasy Points, but I really do mean it when I say it's a one-stop shop for everything, for articles, rankings, advanced stats, all in one spot. I do all my research there, uh, so I'm really excited to be a proud sponsor um, or them to be a proud sponsor with me in, in this podcast. So fantasypoints.com slash subscribe, promo code 21WIN10. Get that discount. It is well worth it. All right. So we'll have a preliminary question that I brought up this week to ask Steffi, and then I'll reflect on it too uh, when we get going. And then we have like somewhere between eight and 10 questions that we'll try to get through uh, in an hour, but uh, pretty excited about that. And we'll get started right here in a second. All right, so Steffi, I have my own two questions. Um, hosting the show, I get to have at least one, so I brought two. Um, the, the first one, the first one, 
nonstop during this time of the year, going all the way through the start of the season, we are going to see a lot of coach talk, right? Uh, there'll be a quote from guys like Urban Meyer and Andy Reid and whoever else uh, talking about maybe a player's role and things like that. What's your what's your stance on on coach talk during maybe this time of year uh, when it comes to maybe how they see usage on a player or um, an outlook on a season, things like that. What, what's your thoughts on, on coach talk? <laughs> so the funniest thing is Twitter really overanalyzes uh, coach talk. I think we just need a, to take just a little, just like kind of a little, a little too much. Um, And especially someone like a young coach, like Urban Meyer, and I can call him a young coach. He may not be young, he is young to this league. Um, Urban Meyer has yet to learn what you say in front of the media and what you don't say in front of the media. So I think that a lot of what he has said has been confusing for everyone. Um, so I think the younger coaches, and I'll call them again, I understand he is older, he's not a young guy, but he's still a younger coach in this league. And I think you need to take that very much with a grain of salt because they have not been in front of the media ever to this level. I mean, college is a very different sport it's you know it's the same sport but it's a different it's a different class there so I think uh listening to coaches is a little uh crazy kind of you know as a Bears fan um how they've been talking about this Dalton and Fields and this and that and like it, you know, we could come out week one and fields could start we see we see it happen every single year so you shouldn't be making any uh fantasy moves because of a coach's uh, voice. I, I, I like that piece of advice and I'm going to keep emphasizing through these podcasts that the, the range of listeners are always going to be people that are these expert, you know, analysts and then the casual fantasy fans. So it's important for anybody who has podcasts to address what maybe some think is the obvious, but others might not. So I think that's a good mm-hmm. point that Steffi said is don't make drastic, crazy moves here. Um, in May for your fantasy season, just based off of some coach talk. Um, I think, I think timing is very important when it comes to, uh, the coach talk too. got Jeff in the chat. Got a couple guys in the chat. I love <laughs> I it. I love find it. A hair tie. <laughs> Hi. Hey, there you go. <laughs> but I, I think, I think that timing is very important because if we're closer to the season and you know, a coach, expresses that a certain player is going to get the starting role. That's that's a, that's an important piece of information. We saw last right. year with James Robinson. There was a news that broke, and they said, hey, James Robinson is going to be the starter in week one. That's important. Versus May, we have a lot of months when they say, mm-hmm. you know, John Gruden. John Gruden is just like Urban Meyer. They're both saying that there's a running back that's playing wide receiver. I mean, is that is that super credible right now during this time? I, I don't think so. So, for me, I, I think I think timing is very important, and I think you have to analyze it yourself too. If you if you are buying into it um, to a degree, maybe you don't sway your opinion. Maybe if you really think it's outrageous, Travis Etienne is going to be a wide receiver. Nah, me personally, I don't I don't think so. So I, I think it comes down to two things for me: um, timing, and then um, how you actually view the situation. Absolutely. I think coaches are more like, that's like an in-season thing, you know, like I like coaching comments in season. That's where I think you get a little bit more of a feel for things, but 
you know, we're talking, we're months out from the season starting and a lot of the stuff and a lot of the hecticness that's going on is from these coaches that are brand new. So uh, they're not used to being in front of the media the way that they are. So you have to be careful with, you know, they can be saying whatever, <laughs> you know, the cameras are in front of them. They're panicking a little bit, I think. <laughs> no, Nobody is revealing their aces in their, their hand for this, this poker game right now. So. <laughs> Uh, John in the chat too. want to shout out John. I actually was on his podcast on Tuesday, had a great time. Ironically met on Twitter. Um, and he drove me home from a drive, a draft party on Sunday. So it's crazy. The connections you make, uh, on Twitter. So appreciate everybody in the chat right now. Um, the next question, Steffi, this is more specific. So I actually lately have been trying to drop more graphics because I think that they're more appealing and to the point. I used to drop a lot of articles nonstop, but the, the range of views would be like super high to super low with the same effort level, you know? So uh, I dropped this one and I'll put it on the screen here. Uh, this week I said, let's take Devonte Adams. Let's take um, Tyree kill out of the picture for 2021 to finish as the wide receiver one. And we actually will touch on one of those guys soon here, but yeah, my my question. All right. And I, I try to compare these guys from last season. Stefan Diggs, Calvin Ridley and A.J. Brown are three guys that come to mind for me when I say, hey, if it's not Tyreek, if it's not Devonta Adams, who could it be? So uh, I got a comparison here. There's the yellow highlights. Um, Stefan Diggs leads in the wide receiver finish, the snap percentage, teams, reception percentage, the receiving yards. You got uh, Calvin Ridley had more red zone targets. Um, AJ Brown had the most receiving target, uh, receiving touchdowns this past season, both Diggs and AJ Brown, both had seven games of over 20 fantasy points. So I was trying to just weigh these two, uh, these three guys out together and just think ahead, Hey, who can finish as that wide receiver one? If it's not Adams or Tyree kill, because Adams and Tyree kill were the one and two. So I'd like to think like yeah. not the obvious, uh, Steffi for you, I name those three guys. And you, you might say, you know, none, none of them. It's Justin Jefferson. Let's just, just say these three guys. Who, who is it for you and, and why? Well, it's not Ridley. Uh, I will tell you that much. I love Ridley with my entire heart. And I think that if Julio leaves, we're going to see Ridley take a hit on that. We've seen him historically on the field not play as well when uh, he doesn't have Julio on the field. I think AJ Brown is kind of the cake winner here. I see him, you know, he hasn't reached his full potential. There's no more Davis. There's no more Humphreys. There's no more Smith. Um, I think that they're opening up a lot of opportunity for him to do fantastic. Uh, I, I'm going to go AJ Brown on this one. And I know that's probably not the popular choice. I know Stefan Diggs is the popular choice, but I think the uh, Buffalo Bills might have to get a little bit more creative this year where uh, AJ Brown might be that option all the time, just consistently uh, where the Bills might spread the ball around a little bit more. So I am all in on AJ Brown. I wasn't going into uh, this, you know, drafting season, but lately I am, I am more bought in. I I'm the same way with AJ Brown because sometimes as a fantasy player, your roster bias comes to mind. And at, you know, at the time I had no shares of AJ Brown and I try to find ways to, to fade him off just a little bit. But then I, I think that's one thing I've been better at as somebody who, creates content is like, I, I got to talk about guys I don't have, but um, good points there. Uh, just talking about AJ Brown specifically, again, I've been stressing 157 vacated targets uh, between mm -hmm. Corey Davis and Johnny Smith. They got to go somewhere. I mean, Ferkser might be a sleeper. They got Reynolds. They have a new rookie in the system, but 
he's going to be involved nonstop. Like I'd be surprised if he isn't one of the most targeted players in the league and have the most 10 plus target games. Uh, that that'll be very interesting. Ridley. I love a lot too. Uh, I think he's behind me somewhere. Um, on the wall. But, <laughs> he is behind you. Yeah, you love he, him. He's chilling. Yeah. Well, I, I got Diggs too. I, I I need to get AJ Brown. I think in there. I love um, Diggs in redraft. I will admit, like Diggs is like yeah. my redraft king. But I feel like AJ Brown in dynasty for some reason just is super sexy. I I see. I can see that. I could see that argument there saying AJ Brown dynasty wide receiver one because a, mm-hmm. a, a lot is in his favor to get the volume. D- Diggs, I might slightly lean towards in 2021 probably just because we saw the state of the buffalo offense um this past season they were super super heavy in their passing volume i i cole beasley does a great job gabriel davis was stepping up big time this past season uh i i kind of just slightly lean towards him because i i know the titans are going to try to push the rock a lot more and i know buffalo struggles in that department but if they increase, maybe maybe they can um, ease off of the passing volume. I'm not sure. But I think those two for me too, Steffi, are, are kind of hand in yeah. hand. I will admit, though, like I've been looking at everyone's rankings lately, and Stefan Diggs is way too low on everyone's rankings. Like, let's just yeah. be very clear about that. Like, I don't care what happens. I don't care what's going on over there. Stefan Diggs is going to be a top five wide receiver, period. It's real effort. It's dicey. It doesn't matter. Um, and he's proven that. So it's crazy to me. I'm seeing him fall outside of people's top 10. And I, and I don't personally understand that. Uh, what more do you need from a player? to like put him inside of your top 10. I don't know. <laughs> you got, you got to look at the connections too. year one with Josh Allen. These two, the first go at it were very, very good. Josh Allen was the one or the two, depending on when you cut off your, your rankings for your weeks at the end of the season. And then Diggs was a league leader in receiving yards and some of the other categories. So that was just year one. That's just a taste of what maybe can happen, but I think it's going to be important for those other pieces in the Buffalo offense, Gabriel Davis, Cole Beasley to maintain his role or else teams are going to start kind of playing to that Allen Diggs combination. So uh, let's get, let's get away from my questions. I, I, I ask enough questions all the time. So it's nice <laughs> to have some other questions. And and, and again, it, it's that time of the year where we hear a lot of the same things over and over. So I, I like to have a, a mix of um, what other people are thinking and what they're trying to weigh out. So the first one, we'll put these on the screen when we read them. Uh, it's from Eric DRZ. How many of the 2020 running back class will have top five seasons when all is when it's all said and done? Are any of them destined for multiple top five finishes? And Steffi, I'm going to shoot to you to start with um, on this. I'll give you some background before, but this is a tough question. This is very tough. This is I hate tough. this question. It's These t- guys it's hard. all do this. <laughs> yeah, so Jonathan Taylor this past season, RB6. James Robinson, iffy situation now, RB7. Antonio Gibson, RB13. DeAndre Swift, RB18. He had three games of 22-plus points. CEH, RB22. Dobbins, RB24. But from weeks 13 through 17, he was the RB10. Cam Akers was RB45, but through weeks 12, in uh, 13, 14, he was the RB10. And um, that's leaving out some other guys who are kind of in the mix too. But um, yeah, that, that's, the, that's the big question. Uh, can we expect multiple top five finishes out of this group? Every week I have one question that I defer to you. And I'm going to end up deferring this one because all I right. think that all of these guys could easily, like 
easily do this. Um, probably my favorites, like if I were to pick my favorites out of this group of guys, I think that everyone is too low on CH. I think that we see CH come through and I think we see him have, I don't want to say breakout year because I don't think that he did poorly. I think that he could very, his ceiling hasn't been reached is the bottom line. Um, but Swift, Dobbins, like we're talking about really good players and I could see both of them. I think Swift and Dobbins probably even Taylor too. I mean, these are a group of guys. It's wow. a really phenomenal class. Uh, even Gibson. So I'm starting to get a little bit lower on Washington players. This is like a new thing. I don't know. You could probably stop me if I'm being crazy. It's like a new uh, trend I have is I don't love how many mouths we have to feed over there. And I'm wondering if Fitz in a new system is just going to be looking to make plays. And then we're going to see a little bit of a decreased uh, targets to some of these guys that we wish they were getting more targets. So I'm a little bit lower on Gibson than I was going into the drafting season. I have a ton of him. Uh, I just traded him away, actually, for a King's Ransom, which is great. Uh, I might regret it later, which is fine, but I'm not loving how many mouths we have to feed over there in Washington. So I'm less inclined to say Gibson, although I think that he might be the superior one out of this group. Um, but I'm very much leaning towards Swift, Dobbins, and Taylor, I think. Like those guys, I think Dobbins especially, he's someone that I've been drafting all over the place. I'm super into right now. So with uh, I like I like your thought process with uh, Gibson. He he's a guy I've had disagreements with uh, with people on. I, I think he's extremely talented. He did very well with minimal touches at times. But until JD McKissick is out of that offense, right? That guy that guy was second to to Alvin Kamara this year for all the passing <laughs> statistics, and that right. takes away from the ceiling of a running back if somebody else is there to to grab those those receptions. Um, I, I read off all the RB finishes for these guys. There's a couple guys that weren't really a factor this past season. So Christian McCaffrey missed most of the year. Saquon Barkley, your guy, missed most of the mm -hmm. year. Nick Nick Chubb missed a lot of games. Austin Eckler missed a couple games. Uh, now we got guys like Najee Harris into the league. So, right. I mean, these guys he, he had – I mean, like there is guys. There's yeah. a lot – there's talent coming back. It's a great point. You know, you have CMC, yeah. Saquon. Yeah, let's not sleep on Chubb. Like let's just have like a moment oh, of man. like silence on the fact that he might be the best ball carrier in this league at this point. And that pains me to say, obviously, as a Giants fan, uh, being a Saquon supporter – but it, the facts are facts. I think it's it's hard to uh, get in that top five. I think we're going to see a shift in running back yes. talent and who finishes. Like this year, I think it's going to be a deciding factor a little bit. It's going to be more of a landscape mm. for the next couple of years. Yeah, I, I agree to that too. And I have some stats later about um, how many guys finished in what amount of points, but there's just so much competition. Um, I'm I'm with you for sure on Swift and Taylor. Cause I think before the season started, I thought those two guys were the most talented running backs in this draft class. And I thought that these two were the alphas uh, Dobbins, I think is in the perfect style of an offense to be very successful. Dobbins is so good in the red zone. He scores mm -hmm. touchdowns. It's just, it's just that three man head uh, headed monster at times with, with mm -hmm. him, Gus bus who people don't talk about enough. And then Lamar Jackson. So yeah. I'd say I'm, I'm on the same boat as you, Steffi. If, if it's, if I got to narrow this list down to three guys, a lot of people are going to scream and say Cam Akers needs to be in this, you know, in this discussion. But That's until me. I see more, I, I, until until you see more, I mean, and Daryl Henderson is still going to get some touches in that offense. 
So yes, don't my, sleep on Henderson. I cannot believe you just brought that up because I just yes. talked about this today. Oh my gosh, I love that you just said that. I'm picking up Henderson everywhere I can. Like, I don't know where he ended up falling to like the 17th round in a lot of this, uh, like all of these startups I'm doing, but please do not sleep on Henderson because he, first of all, produced last year. He did not produce and he is only in a position to do better this next year. So I think that Henderson is a, a, definitely one of those sleepers that everyone is absolutely sleeping on. If you if you look for guys that might have standalone val, uh, value that are not the RB one in the system, he, he's definitely a guy that comes to mind, um, and he's a guy you'll you'll get super late in drafts. So I like that point too. So I think I think we we answered it as best as we can. And yeah. the big point it's is hard. that's hard. It's hard. Guys, it's hard. The ceiling is high. All right. So let, let's let's get to the next question. Uh, Chris had a couple questions. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna cut this one down though a little bit. Um, if Aaron Rodgers does in fact leave Green Bay, how drastically would that affect your ranking of Devonte Adams? I'm assuming for, I'm assuming for Dynasty, let's say. So, um, I have a little graphic here from StatMuse, and Devonte Adams has 41 catches for 489 yards and four touchdowns in the seven games without Aaron Rodgers. That stat right there. Uh, to just break it down, that's pretty good for seven games. I mean, four touchdowns in seven games, maybe he's not scoring every game, um, but that's not too bad without Aaron Rodgers. The, I'm a, my big thing with this is I think to achieve the wide receiver one status for Dynasty, I think you have to have a solid tie to the QB. So we mentioned A.J. Brown. People sleep on Ryan Tannehill's production as a quarterback. Deep. Like Patrick, another person that people absolutely. sleep on. He is a fantastic fantasy he, he, he does He does well. He does well. Like the last two seasons, very well. Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, right? Stefan yeah. Diggs, you got Josh Allen. We go down the list uh, of guys that might be there. Even people who still like DK, he's got Russell Wilson. We, we can go down the list. Uh, mm-hmm. What I like a lot about Adams is the red zone involvement. So even if Aaron Rodgers was to depart, I know the coaching staff has changed. They scheme up so many plays for Devontae Adams in the red zone that it's ridiculous. Every single season, no matter who the coaching staff is. So mm-hmm. I think regardless of the quarterback, that he's always going to have those opportunities to score touchdowns, and touchdowns are the most points for fantasy. So 2020, he was the number one targeted player in the red zone. 2019, he was the number three, but he only played in 12 games. And the top wow. two played in 16. So that's a huge difference. And then 2018 will be the last year I I cover. Um, He was the number one targeted player again in the red zone. So, so many years of consistency being targeted there. Mm -hmm. I think that I won't put him as the wide receiver one if Aaron Rodgers is gone, let's say. I think that'll be my difference. I think, is he top five without Aaron Rodgers? I think from a talent perspective, absolutely. I think from a system perspective, absolutely. If Rodgers is gone, does it change my ranking? Slightly. It it does. It does. I'll be realistic. Uh, What about yourself, though, if Rodgers is gone? Yeah, I think this is going to be the first time ever for everyone that's watching that Nick and I disagree. Um, I hate the skilled players of Aaron Rodgers. Um, I do not like the system. I I just like it. It scares me. I don't. I, you know, I love Devontae Adams, but he slips out of my top five without Aaron Rodgers, I think. Uh, I am concerned only because, not because of the talent level. The talent level is very much there. Who replaces Aaron Rodgers? That's my concern. Um, it's sure. not necessarily the players themselves. It's more like 
is Jordan Love really going to be throwing the ball or Bortles? Like, Blake I don't Bortles. love that. I don't love that. Not, I, that. I get that. I get that. I get that. Because if you think so about that's it, my I mean. Problem. My problem yeah. is uh, without Aaron Rodgers, I don't like the quarterback preview. That scares the crap out of me. So, and I'll be honest, like in these startups, since these Rodgers rumors have started, I started to feed uh, Packers players like accidentally, but I think it was subconscious because like, I'm very nervous. I don't know what's going to happen without him. We'll, we'll talk about another guy in the system after a while, but yeah, I, I would be very concerned with Robert Tunyon, right? And then you'd be concerned with uh, Amari Rogers was mentioned. I like, I like the, sure. I like the opportunity for him, but like you're saying, if it's Jordan Love and, and Blake Bortles, I think that that opportunity quote unquote is, is very different. So yeah, very um, different. It, it, it's two very different ways to look at it. And I, I guess, I guess it comes down to um, how far, Will you push a guy down without a good quarterback? Yeah. What about Hopkins with his quarterbacks? Um, Allen Robinson would be another guy that we can talk about too. I mean, yeah. we don't have to go into him, but he's another guy. But I think both of those cases, maybe that wide receiver one overall is kind of capped because of the QB, yeah. but they can still finish as a top 10. So maybe we're in agreement right there that the the ceiling is capped, but still yeah. can be successful. Like he'll still be a top 10, I think, no matter what. I don't think his like, air Rodgers leaving, you know, it's a little bit different than some other situations. Like it's not a death wish. Like I still see him finishing within the top 10, but I get worried without Aaron Rodgers. All right. All right. Let's, let's move to the next one here uh, from five white football. And I always shout out Dan because he was the first guy ever on Twitter to DM me and say, Hey, do you want to come on my podcast? And I was kind of nervous at the time. And I said, maybe in a couple months. And then I ended up doing it like a week later, but Dan from five <laughs> white football says, uh, or asks dynasty question. We'll, we'll limit this question here. Dynasty question, Josh Jacobs or Miles Sanders. Let's just keep it to that right now. And my answer right now is if I'm drafting, I personally, I don't, I don't want either one of them to be honest with you, um, unless they <laughs> fall, <laughs> unless they fall like super low, right? Unless they fall super low. low. Um, I have a quick graphic again. I've been getting advanced on the podcast. Just like, I think we're going to disagree again. I'm getting nervous. Oh, I, uh, all right. All right. Do I, I was trying to see if I had like a guy on the wall behind oh, no, me. We agree. We agree. We agree for sure. <laughs> So, so here's some back-to-back -back stats. I'm not going to read through all of them, but it compares Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders. So in 2020, Jacobs was the RB6. Uh, Miles Sanders was the RB23. 2019, Jacobs was the RB21. Miles Sanders, the RB15. Uh, if we look at the, the total yardage, so they both played um, – they both played around this, oh, 28 games total. So that's that's uh, even right there. Uh, the rushing yards, Jacobs edges Miles 22-15 to 16-85. Jacobs 19 touchdowns to Miles Sanders 9 rushing. Um, the receptions is the difference for Miles Sanders. He has 78 to 53 for Jacobs. So, Steffi, um, we can't avoid this question. We can't say neither. Um, we cannot say both. Uh, it's, it's one not, or the other. So, so It's very you, easy you are, for me, to be honest. All right, go ahead. All right, you, you take it's the Josh mic. Then. Jacobs. The ceiling is there. I, you know, and Josh Jacobs gets a lot of hate, but in his first two seasons, we're talking 1,300 yards each season. Like he has made the production, it's there. Uh, it's happening. I don't care who they brought in in free agency. I think that Josh Jacobs has not reached his ceiling. Um, Miles Sanders can kind of kiss my butt a little bit. I think that the Eagles have proven <laughs> to be a passing team. 
you know, and that's what they're moving towards. And I think, you know, they take Devonte Smith and that's it. I, I think that we don't see a, a like rushing team out of them. I think that they are going to be a passing team. So for me, Josh Jacobs has to be the answer here. I hate both of them to be honest. like, uh, like as an option, like I'm hoping they both fall very late. And then if I have to pick one of them, I'm picking. Then you, you're at the point where you have to sometimes in drafts, yeah, but I just, I'm off Miles Sanders. I, you know, we broke up a couple years ago. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was going to make a joke about something like something with Miles Sanders too, but I, you know, it was going to go too far at that point. So, uh, I, I might've had a run in with Miles Sanders as well. I, I dated Miles Sanders for like a few weeks this past year yeah. and then I got burned for a, a, a handful of weeks. So I also broke feeling. up with Miles Sanders. He, he does, he does. And he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He doesn't text back. Anything. Care at all. So one, one thing I want to clear up before I agree with Steffi, one thing I want to clear up, a lot of people say for Miles Sanders that Jalen Hurts kills his fantasy value, and it's actually shown to be in the small sample size incorrect. Uh, two out of the three games with uh, Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders has scored 29.6 and then 18.4 fantasy points. So I do want to just talk about the opposition before I say I don't want him. Um, but that is a, a, a fiction statement there. Um, but I will agree with Josh Jacobs, and I think, I think a lot of people – love to count him out because of Kenyon Drake and say that he's going to be terrible for fantasy because Kenyon Drake must be this CMC type player. But um, Josh Jacobs this past season was number three in total opportunities. So Henry 409, Dalvin Cook 366, and then Josh Jacobs 318. So um, there were six total running backs um, with 30 plus opportunities or 300 plus opportunities. And Jacobs was number three. So if yeah. only six, if only six in the league had 300 opportunities and he was top three, that's a lot of guys who are well beyond the opportunity. So if his opportunities fall a little bit to Kenyon Drake, he still should be top five, seven, eight, four running back opportunities, which you want for fantasy. So I know the big thing with him is inconsistency on a weekly basis scoring. But at the same time, I think Josh Jacobs has just shown us to be a better fantasy asset than Miles Sanders has. I think Miles mm -hmm. Sanders is always this like great thought. He's going to have a good year, but the consistency is just not there. And he misses a lot of time all the time. So um, I I'm with you on Josh Jacobs. Uh, I think the touches are still going to be there, even with Kenyon Drake. I think he's right. had much bigger games in fantasy. And I've seen, I feel like I just feel that I've seen more of a fantasy production from Josh Jacobs than I have for the wish of Miles Sanders. We can try so hard. And, you know, I love Miles Sanders. And I think that the talent is there and I get it. I just say that Josh Jacobs obviously is, you know, he is one of the best on that team and he's going to get fed the ball. I think that Miles Sanders, you know, after this draft has kind of lost that, that place in the Eagles system where I think we're going to see him getting the ball less. I agree. I agree to that point too. And I think that some people will look at the competition and say Drake's better than um, Gainwell and Howard and Boston Scott. But at the same time, this Eagles offense is always looking to add running backs every yeah. year. They want more and more running backs. Um, the Panthers don't do that. The Giants have added guys, but they're not looking to take away time from yeah. Saquon. Jonathan Taylor is going to be a guy that edges some touches over time. So I, I think that's a, a decent, um, thing to look at too. Uh, we'll move on to a different position on this next one. Um, I think you posted like a TikTok one time uh, and you just found out about this guy, Kyle Pitts. 
Um, and, and you told you told everybody that he was good. I saw the TikTok and I drafted him in almost every rookie draft just because I was like, Steffi said this guy is good. I've never heard his name on Twitter. So here, here's a question for Kyle Pitts. Uh, St Stone Sports Dude asked, where are we taking Kyle Pitts this year in redraft? And he has redraft for those listening on the podcast, redraft in caps with the side eyes. So interesting uh, question here. So um, Steffi, I, I have the uh, ADP, um, which I had to get from a different, a different website. I don't know if I'm going to mention the website, but uh, it says for redraft, uh, Pitts is going as the number eight tight end right now for redraft. What? Are That's what I, this is a credible, credible okay. website as okay. I've heard. So, so my, my question to you, where, where should we take him? Where should we take him? So here's my thing with Kyle Pitts. And this is me being as realistic as I can be. Um, take Kelsey Waller or Kittle before him because in redraft, we like proven players that show us that they can give you the points that you want. But after that, I'm probably taking pits before I'm taking someone like Andrews. And that is me being as honest as I can be. Uh, there's an argument, I think for Hawkinson uh, and Janu, which I, I know there's a question later on. I think it's the next one that we'll talk about, but I think Pitts needs to get into the question before eight. Uh, I think that, you know, he reminds me a lot. It's funny. I talked about it today is uh, watching players in college. You know, when someone is different, right? Like when someone is a unicorn is what they call Kyle Pitts. He is a unicorn. Uh, and for example, because Saquon has got a lot of uh, hate today. Saquon was a unicorn coming out of college. And you know that they're going to come to the league and they're going to produce. Um, Kyle Pitts will not. Uh, he will be good. Uh, and uh, honestly, the Falcons have a good offense. Their defense blows, but they have a good productive offense. Matt Ryan has proven to be very consistent every year. He gives you the same amount of points, like almost week by week. Uh, his stats are almost creepily consistent. It's actually awesome. I imagine that his house is very clean. He keeps his things <laughs> like in order, you know, like everything with Matt it Ryan makes sense. is very by the book. Um, so you get what you get with Matt Ryan. Um, and I think that Kyle Pitts is going to step into this system and just dominate. I think the Falcons, I, we said it last podcast, I see uh, them being a force to reckon with because of their offense. So I'm taking Kyle Pitts, you know, I'll take him as early as uh tight end four. That's it. You know, I, I think that it, you know, you do the Holy Trinity, like uh, Victoria is saying, and then I probably will consider Pitts. I'm not as bought into Hawkinson as everyone else, but I am a Janu truther, so that might be my problem. But I think that Pitts has to be in the question, even for redraft. He can go as early as four. I wouldn't take him as the, my first tight end, though, because in redraft, we not like redraft. Proven. Yeah, that, you like that, that's proven true. in redraft. So dynasty, take him, take him wherever you want. I don't care, uh, but not in redraft. You know, we want points in redraft. I, I, I don't like a lot of the analysis for tight ends all the time because, and I'm not going to rip anybody who says these things, but I, I feel like I feel like the the things that get said about tight ends all the time should not be the same tight end to tight end, right? You know, people always say, well, it takes three years for them to break out and actually do something. And after the first three guys, like you, it's a crapshoot for who's going to be relevant. No, it's not, it's not black and white all the time. And I think Kyle Pitts is a great example of that. If the Falcons 
if the Falcons weren't going to make some sort of weird push to be a playoff team this year, they probably would have drafted Justin Fields, right? They would have prepared for the future. They took a guy that they're going to slot in right away, and I think he's going to get some decent volume right away. So I, I, I have a list of guys here, uh, and you already said it, but I just want to clarify. Uh, Gasecki, Johnu Smith, Hunter Henry, Cole Komet, Dallas Goddard, um, Jared Cook, Irv Smith Jr. You take Pitts and redraft above all these guys, correct? Yeah, uh, definitely. I think so. I really think yeah. so. And also, like, and I was just making sure that my point was right, but, I mean, he's the earliest tight end that's been drafted uh, in this modern era. Like, we're talking since 1967. Uh, they're not drafting Oof. Kyle Pitts uh, for him to not be a dominant force in this league, and I think you get points out of him 100%. Absolutely, and I think um, going with you, I think for redraft, I still have Kelsey – Personally, I have Kelsey by himself. I have Kelsey by himself yeah, in a tier. Me too. Until he has any sign of regression, he's been the tight end one for so long. He's got the Tony Gonzalez uh, syndrome going oh, on yeah. where he's going to be uh, relevant until he retires. Um, Waller yeah. and Kittle, that's the next two. I think on a redraft level, you stick with those two, right? In a healthy world, those two guys should be sure things. They should be a sure thing as um, – Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook. They should be just sure things. Right. Uh, and I, I kind of agree with you when it comes to this. Th I got this next three. It's like their own tier. Andrews, Fant, and Hawkinson. Mm -hmm. I, I just throw them, in the, I throw them in that mix. I do because these three guys all have decent opportunities. But I think Andrews' situation has changed, adding Rashad Bateman and Thielen Wallace. Right. I think Noah Fant, we're not sure how Teddy's going to operate this offense, but he's still got Cortland Sutton coming back. He's got another tight end. He's got Jerry Judy. He's got KJ Hamler. And then Hawkinson, I'd say, has the best volume opportunity just because there's not tons of pass catchers. Mm -hmm. But Pitts, even if Pitts has Julio and Calvin Ridley in the system, I think that, again, like you just said, they drafted him for a reason, right? They passed mm -hmm. up on future looks. They drafted him for a reason. Um, he might have been the second best wide receiver in the class if he was listed as that. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, I I think eight is too too low. I think eight is too low. I'd say yeah. one, two, three, four, five, six. I'd say somewhere between four and and six probably would be that that range, okay. if not if not four or five. So hundred percent. I totally agree with you. Like absolutely. I'm a little bit lower on Fant than everyone else is. I think I would replace Fant with Johnu on this Johnu train. I think that the I saw that. I saw that. It's, I it's, am. It looks like I, it's I, slowing you know, down. I'm going to stand by it. <laughs> Unless the Patriots get Julio, I am very much on Janu. I think that they will end up just giving him the ball. You know, they can't throw the ball. So what are they going to do? They're going to use Janu. You know, Billy B loves his tight ends. He loves 12 personnel. Uh, it's asking for a top five finish for Janu, in my opinion. If, uh, and I know Matt can, can sling the ball, but man, if, if Cam starts a few games, they're going to use those tight ends nonstop to inch up the field. I, I, I truly believe in that. Exactly. Um, so we talked about Hawkinson a little bit here. Uh, my guy, Nate, um, has a good question here. Which player from Detroit has a better chance of finishing in the top five of their respective position in PPR in 2021? Is it DeAndre Swift for running back or TJ Hawkinson at tight end? And then he gives us some love with the hashtag for script to ships. Um, yeah. This is an interesting question. And we've touched on both of these guys. We touched on DeAndre Swift being a top five back at some point. We touched on Hawkinson uh, 17 seconds ago. Uh, which 
what's your what's your what's your take here? What's your take here? If if one guy is going to be top five, you know, I want it to be Swift. I want the answer to be Swift, but it's not. Uh, it, to me, it's Hawkinson. I think that you know the tight end position. There's not a lot of competition there. You know, he doubled his production in year two. We're looking at a guy that is just set up for success. He led the NFC tight ends completely in receiving yards. I I see Hawkinson going through the roof uh, this yeah. year. Uh, anytime I see him lower than Andrews, it makes me a little bit sick. I think that this is like literally <laughs> the best position that you could think of. I mean, we're talking about the first Lions tight end, right? I even wrote this down. Uh, that has uh, made has qualified for the Pro Bowl since 1999. 1999, my brother was born and he just graduated college. Like that is how crazy paints the is. picture. Like that, you know. So I think that he made his improvement as a blocker. When tight ends make improvement as a blocker, they're on the field more. When they're on the field more, they produce more. Um, so I think that Hawkinson has to be the it has to be the easy steal here. I think that it's, you know, we're going to jump from two to three. And Hawkinson, you know, it's hard because he's up against a lot of competition, whereas Hawkinson is not. Yeah, I, I agree with your points there. And I have some stats to actually back that. Uh, I'm, I, try, I try to find some things to actually show here's the competition for the running backs. Here's the competition for the tight ends. So looking from just a fantasy points perspective, um, and that's not a – uh, like a name drop to the the logo in the corner or anything like that, but uh, 300 pl- uh, plus fantasy points this past season, three running backs, one tight end, 200 to 299 fantasy points, 10 running backs, one tight end, 100 mm. to 199 fantasy points, 34 running backs and 19 tight ends. So if you look at those tiers of fantasy points score just in general, the amount of running backs in each of those tiers in comparison to the tight ends just paints the picture again, that there's so much competition. There's so much competition. Oh and I, I, I am one of the biggest uh, swift truthers you will run into, but at the same time, seeing that Hawkinson has a good opportunity for volume, seeing that he just finished as one of the top tight ends this past season. And then looking at the numbers, there's like, 20, 25 running backs that can potentially finish as the top 10, you know, running back versus tight ends. I don't think we're listing off 20 guys and saying one of these 20 guys can easily be top five. I don't think that's the case. I think we, we, we listed it before Kelsey Waller, Kittle, that's three right there. So now you're only giving up that top five spot for two guys, right? Whereas where, uh, the running back position, um, you can list off the guys from this year, and then look at the year before and the year before yeah. all those guys intermix and they change. So um, I, I think the running back position just has way too many guys that can finish high and has way too much competition in comparison to the tight end position. Yep. Absolutely. You're totally right. I just think also everyone needs to realize we're in like a really great era of running backs. Like it hasn't been like this since like the early two thousands to me. Uh, like this is a really cool era of running backs. We have a lot of really good talent, which is awesome because we're getting great football out of it. But I think for that reason, uh, tight end is less competitive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agree on that there. Uh, Chris asks another question here. How would you prioritize the Pittsburgh wide receivers? Juju, Claypool, and Deontay. So I'll start this one off. Um, I, I am... 
I'm huge on Deontay because of numbers, because of numbers. So if we look this past season, Deontay Johnson uh, missed a game and then he left like two or three games. I was looking at the, the, the game lines. He left two or three games because of an injury. And a lot of people will say, well, you know, he drops the ball so much and they're going to bench him. Well, in weeks 15 and 16, which happened to be at the end of the season, he received 13 and 14 targets. So the targets were not going to stop to Deontay Johnson. Um, 144 total targets. He was number eight in the league overall. Juju had 128. Claypool had 109. And then if we look at more categories, Deontay leads in yards as well. And he was only a two touchdown difference from Juju and Claypool. They had nine. He had seven. So for me, when I see a quarterback returning to play with the same core wide receivers and I look at how high the target share was for Deontay Johnson, I for me, it, it's pretty clear that he is their volume target guy. If you want to go for one of these other two guys and say, hey, these other two guys might make some bigger plays, they might score some bigger touchdowns, fine. But for, for me personally, for how I play my fantasy, I, I love volume and I love target share. Deontay had 10 games with 10 plus targets. So, I mean, having games where he's getting 15, 16 targets, which he did this year, is crazy. It's crazy to me. So Deontay is my guy, but these other three in the system, Deontay was 21 uh, for the position. Juju was 16 and Claypool was 23. All three guys were good last season. Um, for you, though, Steffi, uh, do you have a different guy that you would prefer? Oh, my God. We're going to disagree. Guys, this is do like it, history. It, it. Nick and I are disagreeing for the first time. The uh, second or third time. I, I like it, though. I like ever. it, though. I like it, though. Because, because if, everything, if everything was if everything was like we're, we're <laughs> high-fiving on everything all the time, then something, something's scripted on that. So I like it. So I like it. Deontay is my least favorite out of these guys. How least. about that? Oh, and right, this is my right. gut. This is more of a gut feeling. Okay. So I think that this is less factual-based. I love Claypool this year. I think Claypool is going to have a breakout season. I'll have – Numbers for you, you don't have anything, but I think that I like Claypool. I like what he did. I like the weeks that he was able to produce. Oh boy, did he produce. So I think that I'm higher on Claypool than most people. Uh, Dave Kluge is probably the only person I know that is just as high on Claypool as I am. But let's not forget that Juju is still a really good football player. For so sure. I have a hard time fading him like I'm seeing him drop very far in all of these leagues that I'm in and I hate that because I think you know what the problem is it's Big Ben Big Ben is the problem you know like if we take Justin Fields right we put Justin Fields yep. in the Steelers system we I have like a him, whole yep. other conversation right uh Big Ben is the problem and then you know you also bring in Najee Harris who I think is going to take targets away from these guys so I you know, I'm kind of, I'm not fading, but I'm avoiding the Steelers this next year. I need to see what they can do um, with, you know, Najee coming in and how they're going to separate targets. I think they don't want to keep Juju there, so I wouldn't be surprised if he gets decreased targets. Um, I think that was more of a sympathy move, unfortunately, and I love Juju. I know he made his mistakes, whatever, but let's be serious. Juju is a fantastic wide receiver. Um, so I would love him to go to another team, but I think I'm high on Claypool and I hate that I am. And I don't have a lot of facts to back it up, but I just think that this is Claypool's year. 
Sometimes, sometimes for fantasy, and I, I will say this, I will say this, even though we might disagree here slightly, I will say for fantasy, sometimes your gut feeling is the best call. I mean, I, I just laid out a bunch of statistics, but at the end of the day, when you say, I just have a feeling and then it's right, then it was right, you know? So, um, I, I you trusted think- him last year. I like, I just like right. Claypool. I like what he does on the field, you know? You know, when you love a, like, I feel that way about DeAndre Swift too. Like, I like what he does on the field. Like, the numbers don't have to show me anything. I just like him as a player. I wonder for this offense if, it's going to be the same sort of outlook as last year because we always find these crowded wide receiver rooms. And I read off where they finished. They all finished his top, I think, 23 guys or something like that, which is good mm-hmm. for fantasy. I mean, you, you can flex the top 23 right. wide receiver. Absolutely. I wonder now, because that running game was so bad last year, they had one of the worst, if not the worst, so rush, rushing offense in the league. I wonder if that's going to impact how often they're throwing the ball with a 49 year old quarterback or whatever big Ben is. So that, that'll so be interesting. Old. That'll be interesting. He's, he's ruining everything for us. Um, is I it, think that the, you know, I think we're not going to see the same Steelers that we normally see. I see them losing often and frequently this season, unfortunately. And it, you know, it doesn't break my heart because I don't care that much, but that does concern me for these players, but they're great. Like stashes, I think in dynasty, because I think they will eventually address the quarterback situation. I, I do too. And I, uh, you know, I sometimes wonder if, you know, they want to make it to the playoffs and kind of preserve their veteran quarterback and not have him throwing his arm out um, and run the ball more. But also at the same time, we just saw all three of these guys be good last year. So I wouldn't completely fade these guys out, but I would, I would go with your, if you're listening, I would go with your personal reason Steffi might be a gut. Also, she watched a lot of Chase Claypool before, so she likes Chase Claypool. I like the volume targets for Deontay. I think for you as a fantasy player, you can hear somebody's advice, but you got to kind of have your own feeling for why you want somebody. So that, that was it's, a good question, though, because that, that got me It's funny, thinking. though, I will comment just quickly, is the Steelers kind of remind me of the Giants going to the season, which is a very uh, peculiar situation because you don't see that a lot where I can say the Giants and, and the Steelers in the same uh, conversation. But in, the, in a sense that uh, you're going to need to know what weeks you can play what player which is difficult. Mm-hmm. So they, these are two very complicated teams. Uh, they have all the weapons. The weapons are there. They're in front of you, right? And they're very, yep. it's a very sexy option to pick up Claypool and Deontay. And, you, you know, these for, are great. Sure. Galladay, Shepard, Slate. Like we're talking about great options, but you have to know how to play them. Uh, what defense are they playing? What's the O-line looking like? Who's hurt? Like, and that sucks, you know? So if you're like a very novice player, uh, these are two teams that I'm avoiding, I think. Okay, f- fair enough there. Fair enough there. We got two more questions. We're not going to dive deep into these. We'll get we'll get our, our quick opinions on these um, and, and then just go from there. So the, the next one, uh, half point PPR, keeper. So keeper, we can treat like dynasty almost, but choose one. Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, or Aaron Jones. I am a massive, massive Austin Eckler truther. He's on the is he on the wall? Oh yeah, he is. He's on the wall. I am. I am a huge Eckler truther, but I will say, and I'm gonna just spit him out really fast here. Aaron Jones last season had more fantasy points than his touches. Um, which is actually very good because guys like Jonathan Taylor, Josh Jacobs had way more touches than fantasy points. 
decent amount of receiving yards. He had back-to-back top five seasons. Um, Mike Clay with the ESPN app projects more fantasy points going into this next year. Um, in the red zone, he's actually very good in the red zone. And people think that A.J. Dillon is going to step in and just steal all the red zone touches. He's so good yeah. in the red zone. Why Why would he do that? So um, I know Dillon's there and he might play sometime, but I'm going to go Aaron Jones with the dynasty mentality. But for you, I can see the other two, though, for sure. It's a good question. It's actually a very good question. Um, yes. for, for, for you, is it Keenan Allen, Eckler, or Aaron Jones? So I hate Keenan Allen. This is another player I broke up with. We are done. So that's your choice I- then. I have nothing to do with Keenan Allen. Um, so I'm going Eckler on this one, but I will say this with a grain of salt because I, in redraft, I'm picking Jones. So let's be clear. Like, I want to make it very clear that, like, Jones is my redraft king, but Eckler is my dynasty king because I think that the ceiling blur is higher. Um, and I love him. I, I, you know, I, he hasn't quite hit that potential that we want out of him. Um, but Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones. And again, like I said earlier, the Packers make me nervous. You know, you yeah. lose Aaron Jones and what is there? Um, but I think he is a redraft, like absolute king. Um, he's someone that I'm definitely taking a redraft over Eckler, but Eckler in dynasty is, you know, to the moon. Two concerns with Eckler, just really quick. Uh, a lot of people were questioning, hey, you know, Justin Herbert is not a dump-off pass sort of guy. Um, I don't know what that connection is going to look like, but look at the numbers. He had like 11 targets in one game, and he had like nine in the other with Justin Herbert when he was healthy. These two were very good connected, and you love that for Dynasty. So I, I, I'm i a big Ackler guy, so I don't, I don't hate that pick at all um, when it comes to that. And also the yards per carry, everybody says that. Austin Eckler's yards per carry is not good, but actually like look at the career splits. It's it's not, it's not as bad as people think. So. Right. Um, and I also want to comment on just everyone remember that they did draft Slater. Um, so what Slater ooh, does is add, love it. he adds at least seven seconds to the pocket. So look at what they were capable of doing last season. Now we add seven seconds to the pocket. I'm telling you these skilled players on the chargers through the roof at this point, I'm like all in, on this team I think even if they don't have a winning season it doesn't matter you're gonna see a lot of points out of this team Rashawn Slater was my favorite tackle coming out of this draft like he was my OT one um and I think they got a steal out of him because I think that he's the most NFL ready tackle that was in this draft and I I think you're giving you know to give Herbie like 10 more seconds in the pocket is insane dangerous look what he was Look what he was able to do without someone like Rashawn Slater. So I think that these players, that's why like Eckler for me in Dynasty is fantastic. Jones is just a safer redraft option. I like that. And I got a soft spot for Slater because I'm a big Northwestern guy from Illinois. Yes. Did a bunch of coaching coaching camps at Northwestern with their college. And <laughs> I love Northwestern. So Slater is awesome. Um, Steffi, give me your one word answer and uh, no bias for this. Is it? Oh, that's not it. Is it uh, Baker Mayfield or Daniel Jones for Dynasty? you are safe, if you're a safe guy, you go Mayfield. But that ceiling for Daniel Jones, go back, look at the points that he was able to accrue over the past two seasons in his limited time with a horrific O-line with no weapons. Daniel Jones could have a very, very good season. I mean, to the point where I'm taking him as my QB one in some leagues. Like I'm willing to just wait 
uh, take all the talent I can. And then in round 10, sure, I'll take Dale Jones. Yeah, it's my first quarterback. And then I take Ryan Fitzpatrick and I figure it out later. Um, but yeah. I think that Dale Jones' ceiling is very high. Baker Mayfield has proved to be a fantastic quarterback. I will give him that. I was a huge Baker hater. Uh, but, you know, uh, the mobility that Daniel Jones has, Baker does not have. And that is where it comes down to. So Daniel Jones uh, is going to take the cake for me. I think uh, they set up Daniel Jones in the offseason more to be successful. So I like that boost for him. Um, the touchdown in interception ratio uh, is what Baker really separated himself from Daniel Jones. But right. uh, he played 16 games. Daniel Jones played 14. And you look at the statistics they're not far away from each other in a lot of stats. And this offense for the Browns is much more push the ball up the field, run the ball. We have a good defense versus the Giants. I think they're going to have to throw the ball. And they added some more people that can make some plays to this offense. So um, I, I like Daniel Jones. Uh, you said you used to be a Baker hater. I'm still a Baker hater because I just I, okay, I just cool. think it's it, over. It's an overrated. It's an overrated asset to me. I, I just don't want him on my teams. And I think there's just a little bit more of an upside. Yeah, I, the same. Um, I know you got another podcast. Uh, this is not a question. I'm just going to throw this out there, Steffi, and we'll have to figure this out later. What are we wagering when the Bears play the Giants this season? It's for my guy Gemmo, the icon. So, Steffi, you and I are going to have to. We're going to have to. We're going to have to make something. We're going to have to make some some sort of an agreement here. But uh, I know we have to, and I need day. you know. You guys really crucified us last year, so I need that win, unfortunately. So we'll have to come up with something good. We'll figure it out. Uh, we will figure it out. It'll be something awesome. Yeah. Maybe we'll let the viewers pick. <laughs> we'll have to have some sort of like poll thread or something. But yeah, I, I agree. To, I agree to that. Um, Steffi, we're going to wrap things up. Steffi's busy, going to be on another podcast. So if you are yeah. listening live, click on, <laughs> click on her profile and see where she's going to be next. Um, we will do the same podcast on, on Tuesday. Uh, again, I'm going out of state uh, next week. Um, Steffi, any last thing you want to drop before you dip out uh, where we can find you and anything coming up that you want to plug? Uh, you guys obviously can always find me on Twitter at Steffi Smalls with three L's. I'm very, I love this podcast. I just want everyone to know, like such a blast. Thank you everyone that put these mailbag questions in. Um, looking forward to next week. Nick is fantastic. Make sure you are following the two of us so you can watch this show because it's awesome. Absolutely. And always appreciate you, Steffi. I said earlier, and I actually truly mean it. You are the one-on-one of co-hosts. So I'm actually super <laughs> excited about it. this podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll push this one out soon. So everybody who listen, thank you very much and have a nice night. Appreciate y'all.